The NHL's plan is to go back to the Olympics and to have a World Cup of Hockey in the non-Winter Olympic years. Yes and please are my two responses to that. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates in the same place that you found this. Take this from someone who's covered both of Sidney Crosby's Olympics in Vancouver and then in Sochi. There's nothing like it. And it's, I guess, easy and almost, uh, I don't know, braggish or whatever to say. It's, it's totally different in person. But when you're there and you're around these NHL players, these guys who are in their own NHL markets back home are great big stars. And in the case of Sid and a handful of others beyond that, to see the passion with which the players approach performing for their respective countries is unlike any experience I've had as a reporter. There's no money involved in this. Nobody's trying to work toward their next contract. If anything, it's the polar opposite because they're putting themselves at risk, at significant risk of significant injury that would cause a significant cut in pay over the course of their careers. Nobody says no. There's never any sort of drama as to who's going to accept or who's going to reject. And even over these recent years in which Gary Bettman has taken his typically short-sighted, small-minded approach regarding the growth of this great game and saying, oh, we don't want to go to the Olympics because they're not covering our flights overseas or accommodations, and they keep waiting for Thomas Bach and the IOC to jump up and say, oh, yes, Gary, we'll take care of you. And it's over such a pittance of money that it becomes transparent that all Gary's doing in that equation is bowing to the owners, the NHL owners, who, by the way, employ him, who are afraid of losing a John Tavares the way the Islanders once did, and the Islanders squawked like crazy about it, as if Tavares wouldn't or couldn't have gotten hurt in any other setting other than if he had been overseas. This this is the best part. It's the player's passion for it. It's seeing Sid shivering after winning gold in Vancouver. I mean, he and Chris Kunitz and everybody else were really into it in Sochi. Don't get me wrong. Okay. But in Vancouver, it was on his home soil against the United States. And he gets the golden goal. It's and nobody in Pittsburgh wants to hear this. Okay. It remains to date the biggest goal of his life. Think about this. This is anything but a criticism, but if you go back over the the three championships the Penguins have won, it's not super easy to think of which Sid goal you identify those with. 
He was tremendous in all of them, but I'm talking about a, just a single spectacular moment. That was it. That was it in Vancouver. And he's anything but alone. All of these players have been like this. I remember Ryan Malone, kid from Upper St. Clair. The first time he was representing the United States in Vancouver was just blown away. I was in the room with him and he's looking around at some of the players who are there and going, I'm going to be on a team with these guys. Are you kidding me? Yevgeny Malkin in Sochi would stop completely speaking English. No exaggeration. Wanted nothing to do with it. Dude, saw me, made, made eye contact with me going by the rope line like I didn't exist. He had become so immersed in this tournament that there were no Americans and there was no Pittsburgh. And that's awesome. It really is. As a result, the players are the ones who've been fighting for a return to these tournaments for which they aren't even compensated. So finally, because of continuing talks between the NHL and the NHL Players Association, which of course has had no choice but to take up this fight for its union members, as we learned from Bill Daly yesterday on a European tour, there's movement, significant movement in that direction. What does that mean for the immediate future? which kind of matters considering the age of some of the potential participants. That's 2026 in Milan, Italy. Sid will be how old? Yeah, he'll still be able to go, but now there's another reason for him to continue performing at the extraordinary level at which he still does. There's finally, finally, an Olympics that'll involve Connor McDavid. And Nathan McKinnon, and from the American perspective, Austin Matthews. From the German perspective, because other countries have gotten better at hockey, Leon Dreisaitl representing Germany. The only real thorn in this, of course, is the herd of elephants in the living room that is Russia invading Ukraine, and the fact that Russia and its puppet ally, Belarus, are both on the IIHF no way list. And even the IOC found some spine to ban those countries from participating in any Olympics, although they are allowing their athletes to do so under some sort of nebulous banner. We'll see how that falls out because I don't think you're going to see other countries, notably Ukraine, being in favor of that. So what happens with what happens with Gino, what happens with Alexander Ovechkin, that remains to be seen. It's still three years away, and boy, one would really hope things would get settled by then, but we'll see. And I mean that, of course, from the human perspective, not the hockey one. In all, this is a very welcome development, particularly for those of us, and I'm happy to count myself among them, who have believed for a long, long time that hockey is undersold, underappreciated in large part because it's underexposed to a big chunk of this planet. Look, my friends, there's a reason why there's a huge chasm between local TV ratings and national ratings for hockey. Once you're in a market, your franchise is going to do just fine. 
with very few exceptions. But you know why? Because we can see the sport. We can see it with our own eyes. We can participate. We can play it. We can coach it. We can learn to love it. That's not super easy to do over TV, but you got to start somewhere. And the Olympics make for a great, great starting point. When we come back, J1Q. Standard J1Q today, I asked you guys, I challenged you really, to communicate with me regarding your hopes for the Penguins this coming season. And the reason I say challenge is I didn't want somebody just giving me a record. You know, there's, there's, there can be a, a mindless form of analysis that we're often guilty of in the media. And I'm not an exception to it, unfortunately, at least. Not as often as I'd like to be, of just reducing a prediction or a projection to just a number. How many games do you think they'll win this year? How far do you think they'll go? Uh, there's more to it. And to the inestimable credit of a whole bunch of you, you not only understood the assignment, but you nailed it. I'm going to. Begin with one from uh, someone who goes by Silent Shore. This was on the the new Threads app. Sent it to me. And I did, by the way, let you guys know, you can reach me any zillion different number of ways. And Threads proves it. Brand new. He says, hey, DK, here are my Penguins hopes for 2023-24. The power play succeeds at a 2018 level. There are no lapses in intensity at the beginning and end of periods. And I just want to have a sense when the Penguins have a three-goal lead that it won't end up in a nail-biter. That's good stuff. When you start getting into the foundation of how they play, how they approach the game, how they execute, you're coming up with something that's way more meaningful than they're going to win this number of games. You follow me now? All right, here's another. And this one's from Jim, who says, DK, my hope for the Pens. Hard, effective forecheck, net front presence, shoot first and often on the power play, and the rest will take care of itself. Well, Jim, you had me through two of them. Now, in all seriousness, though, one of the things that makes, and the many things that makes Eric Carlson great, is that he has always taken a very direct approach to offense. Now, that's going to sound like he's just sitting back there and gunning it. He's not Shea Weber. No knock on Weber here, but that's if I was Shea Weber, that's all I would do. But in Carlson's case, not only can he shoot it, get it on net, get it at certain elevation where he knows he's going to get a rebound or where he knows he has a good chance to get a tip or where he knows he has a chance to hit someone on the far side or the far post for the easiest tip in of their lives. But he'll also take a direct route in terms of getting the puck into the slot for somebody. This is something else we're going to be talking about as we get closer to the season. But Carlson led the NHL the past two seasons in passes completed into the slot. Well, you know what? When you bring Carlson into your fold, you had better come up with personnel 
and strategic accommodations for that highly specific skill. In other words, when he's passing it there, how about making sure or at least optimizing the chances that you're going to have a right-handed shot there? Good, good stuff. One more today. This one comes from Matt, and he says, Hey, DK, my hope for the Penguins this season is that they never quit. They pick each other up, they support each other, and they don't let up. Now, you can roll your eyes at the intangible ones. I'm sure a lot of people do. Oh, yeah, okay, thanks, Matt. Really nailed that one, huh? Except that it comes with a legit validity in this specific case because the one thing Maddeningly enough, that last season's team had was bonafide, all the way down deep camaraderie, meaning first line to fourth, first pairing to third. Everybody was tight. They stuck up for each other. They defended each other. They never got down on Jeff Carter. They never got down on Brock McGinn. Even when the rest of us were busy doing that. Kasperi Kapanen was another case. That's why I said maddeningly enough. Because you almost wanted at some point everybody to pop off. And you will need that again. And it will be challenged. Because you don't have Jason Zucker who was a big part of that in that room. Are you going to have the same vibe in there? Look, I didn't like a lot of the personnel. I didn't like a lot of the decisions, but you never once heard me say that the room was, oh, no, these guys don't care. They're not whatever. They would look that way on the ice at times, but never off of it. So it is a thing that you would need to see from this team. I appreciate all these entries. In fact, you know what? Tomorrow, I'm going to skip J1Q again and read even more of them. All right. Let's do it again then. 